Today, we continue our series on building long-term teams, specifically the importance of loving like it's your job. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and the co-founder and president of MyXP, a ministry where we help pastors solve problems by serving as a remote executive pastor to churches around the country. We also provide bookkeeping services. We can do executive pastor coaching, a lot of things in that uh, vein. Uh, We also offer printing services, apparel, just a lot of different things that we can come alongside churches and help serve them faithfully. You didn't tell me. I thought we were just doing intros. I didn't know we were doing commercials for our oh yeah for uh, our respective uh, ministries. Yeah. I actually have an interview with a pastor. <laughs> of, we're, we're we're taking a hard shift okay. on from the field to turn into like an infomercial. Like I'm gonna become Ron Popeil. Set right. it and forget it. <laughs> well, we're doing this uh, series right now. We started two weeks ago. We took last week off. Uh, I took last week off. You worked. You worked <laughs> oh, all week. I took last yeah. week off. Uh, but we were talking about building long-term teams. One of the things that's unique about our ministry is that we've had uh, the same collection of people, broadly speaking, around us for a long time in multiple contexts. We've had, we continue to have, we have more friends from Chicago that are getting ready to move to Salt Lake to be a part. Yes, of two weeks. Two weeks. Um, and so we're just talking a little bit about. We get asked about that a lot. I've been asked about that a lot, mm-hmm. and and until recently, I haven't really stopped to take stock of. The fact that one that is unique, yeah, and then two, why that would happen, that why that would be our experience, sure, and not necessarily others, sure. And so we're just kind of working through for about four or five weeks uh, a couple of uh, I think key linchpins that have helped build uh, this group of people into what for us is really a family for the last you know 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, and so we started in week one talking about the import. We kind of started with our, ourselves rather than looking at how do we build these people. Mm-hmm. But we talked about the importance of slaying our own dragons, yeah. that there's a lot of internal issues in pastors that keeps them from being able to maintain relationships with people. For You got a real, like what's happening with you? I'm not sure. I, I, just I feel like we need to do video just so people I- have, can see what I have to do <laughs> deal with, what I have to I, look at while I'm trying I to just, talk. I feel like I'm in a we- real squirrely mood this oh, morning. I do not love when you're in a squirrely <laughs> I mood. I know. And I didn't mean to be, but it's just like here. It just comes out. <laughs> it's just like sweat. It just... Oh, gosh. All right. All right. So we well. talked about slaying our, your dragons. You can go back and listen to week one of that. I think we covered some really important ground there. Today, we're going to shift, and we're going to talk uh, more specifically about how we actually go about caring for people sure. and loving people. Yeah. Um, and we are going to start on this topic of just generally speaking, broadly love. And we're going to title this one, Love Like It's Your Job. Mm. And I would add, because it is. Um, it's amazing um, the bonds that you build with people. This sounds like so basic, mm-hmm. but it's amazing the bonds that you build with people when you genu- genuinely love them. Sure. And um, and you f- you genuinely feel that, and you express that, mm-hmm. and you live in a way that is loving. Yeah. And um, I think that for me, anyways, that is really something that has had to be learned over time. Okay. 
And um, I think it's something that even today I'm just continuing to try to get better at. But I, I distinctly is, remember is what I loving people. Oh, got it. Just period. Cool. Because <laughs> um, specifically, like I remember back when uh, I worked at a church called The Crossing, so mm-hmm. the first church I worked at full time. I was a worship pastor there. Yeah. And uh, I got hired, and I think there was about twelve to fourteen existing musicians when I got there. Wow. And I remember sitting with the lead pastor and he told me he had this real, like now that I had taken the job, he's like, I, I'm just going to shoot you straight. Uh, none of these people are probably going to, are, are, are going to want to stay on this team. Um, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> cause it, you know, when you're getting hired, it's all like, Oh yeah, there's 14 existing musicians. You've oh, got yeah. something to sure, work with. Yeah. And Such then a great foundation to build and on. Honestly, like he sat with me and the subtext of what he's saying is like, listen, these people are the worst. They're not okay. good musicians, and they're they're uh, really difficult to work with as well. So they're just probably not going to make the journey. Cool. And I was like, oh, great. And as we entered into that, sure enough, they they weren't great musicians, okay. and uh, attitudes weren't awesome either. Sure. Including my own, because uh, I was super frustrated. But I remember where I was. I was driving through Algonquin. About four people know where that is in Illinois, mm-hmm. just outside yep. Chicago. One day, there used to be a Piggly Wiggly there. Was there really a Piggly Wiggly? Mm -hmm. There was also a fire barbecue place. Oh, yeah. Remember that place? That That Mm -hmm. place was good. Was it the Texan? I don't know. You mean Uh, Texas Roadhouse? No. Your favorite barbecue place? (laughs) That is not my favorite. (laughs) They got good ribs, though. Do they? Yeah. I've never never been there. Um, So I was driving through uh, Algonquin, and I was like praying, and I was so frustrated. Something had just happened. I just had a meeting with someone, and honestly, I was just mad at this guy. And uh, I had this real like conversational prayer thing with yeah. God. I've like kind of like uh, Jesus conversation with Peter at the end of the gospels where he asked him three times, do you love me? Yeah. And I, I just, I heard God asking me this question, do you love these people? Mm. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I started to pray and complain again. And, and genuinely three times I just had this internal, not audible voice, but internal impression of being asked, do you love these people? And the third time it really struck me like, I can't stand these people. And I don't love them. Yeah. And that might have something to do with why I was struggling so much <laughs> to build this team. Sure. And that, I mean, f- not very many people know the story of what happened there, but that church ended up closing mm-hmm. three years after I got there. I was the one that had the responsibility of closing it. It was super difficult. It was one of the strangest cultures uh, in a church that I've ever been a part of, lots of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So it was a very hard, very painful three years that I think God put me in to, to, to get me on the path of learning to love people. Sure. So I say all that to say, I don't think that it should ever be assumed by people or by pastors that pastors just automatically love people. Sure. So I think before we get into the practical, I think stopping and asking ourselves, do I genuinely love the people that God has entrusted to me yeah. is a really important place to start. Sure. And I think that like your language there... Um, was quick, but I just want to like land on that for a second. The ones he's entrusted to you, not the ones that you wished you had. Yeah, that's good. Like the ones that you've got right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, go back to Slay Your Dragons. We yeah. talked so much about pining for more, yep. pine, even if it's more people or different people. Different, like, yeah. man, you might have some trolls <laughs> that God's entrusted to you. Oh man, everybody does. <laughs> you right learn, away, learn to every love pastor listening had like a... Uh, like had like a person pop into their head. Yep, yep. Yep. So some people are just very, very difficult to love. And, uh, and one way to look at that is as kind of a thorn in your side. 
which is an appropriate way to look at it much of the time. Mm-hmm. And and God wants to use that to teach us dip, dip, deeper levels of love yeah. for people as well. So we're going to just talk about three uh, kind of high high ways, like 30,000 feet view ways that we seek to love our team or mm-hmm. express that. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll get into some practicals as well. But the first one is um, if we're going to love like it's our job, it's so important that we are there for the hard stuff. Mm. Like when I think about um, the team of people that has been around us like and, and is still here with us at Ridgeline, which at this point is... 10, 12 people. Mm-hmm. Like we got Thanksgiving coming up, so it's fresh in my mind. I think there's going to be 12 adults, yeah. something like that, and, and an army of young children. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I can think, as I think back over the last 10 years, I feel pretty confident to say that um, I've been in and you've been in the darkest moments of those people's lives. Absolutely. And they have been in the darkest moments of ours. Sure. And I think that going both ways is really yep. important. Um, but I think that, uh, I don't think that's all it is. Like I, I, I know it's like, do you remember when I took that uh, assessment, uh, mm. about, uh, I can't even remember what's that thing called that test uh, called? Oh geez. I can't remember. Yeah. It's real Anyways, expensive. it's a really expensive personality yeah. assessment yep. that, um, I was put through and, um, you have like six people in your life fill it out, something like that, I think that have so. known you for a long period of sure. time. They work with you in various capacities or you yep. have different kind of relationships. And I came back super low on nurturing. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, I know you remember. And so I kept meeting, like I would t- I talked to like all six people that I had fill out this assessment. Well, because it like, gives you like, you don't get to see who right. replied what, but you get to see where the dots landed. Yeah. And those were pretty concentrated. And together. mine was like, so if like 10 is the most nurturing person yeah. on the planet and one is the worst, yeah. my dot, cause you, you, I filled out the assessment yeah, for that's myself. Right. I put you myself, see your own. Yeah. yeah. I put myself at a 10 and all the other dots were like a two or a three. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, what the heck? I was so confused flippin', by that. Flipping. Flipping. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I was so confused by that because I considered myself a nurturing person. And the reason for that is in the way that I defined nurturing was to be there in the hard moments. Yeah. And, and I, even the people I had, I was a little offended in the beginning because I was like, you guys, I've been there for all your hard moments. Yeah. So how am I not nurturing to you? Um, so my point in saying that is just to say it's not just being there in the yeah. hard stuff, but miss the hard moments and you like really miss the boat on loving people well. Sure. Um, anything that you want to add there? You um, paused like you had something you were going to say. No, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. And I think that it's just like it's not necessarily. I think sometimes pastors feel the pressure of like, like pastoring people through every experience in their life. Mm -hmm. And I know that some of these people have gone through things or I have gone through things that like you can't really do much other than just sit with someone or like offer a meal or your home or whatever, you know, the case might be. Cause there's like, I mean, we had somebody face a circumstance that like if it had gone a different way, it could have like violently changed their life forever. Right. And like and it really wasn't up to anyone other than the Lord. Yeah, and like he he sh- decided to show grace in that situation. Yeah. However, like there's not a lot to say. Yeah, because <laughs> you're like, yeah, 
I don't know. It could and go either way. Jared Wilson, I don't remember in what book, which of his books he said this in, but he's, he was talking about the importance of being present in people's difficulties and all of that. And he said, um, you know, so often when we are in that situation, we are so consumed with like, what do I say? What yeah. do I say that makes this better? Yeah. And he had this great line where he said, people rarely remember what you say. They remember you were there. Yep. And I think that is... I think the thing that can be the most damaging to people is that they do walk through a real dark spot in life and they don't have a memory of you being there. Sure. I think that's a real quick way to drive people away from you. And I would also argue that it's possible that people could have a memory of something that you said that was really uh, either not carefully thought through or just yeah. like um, just wasn't received well because you just you know when you're grieving and that kind of thing I remember I'll remember until I die my older sister passed away and we were on staff at a church um, where uh, the elders on this church at this church felt it necessary to establish just how godly and holy and biblical they were uh-huh. and so I remember you were out of town at someone else's funeral and yeah. it was a real uh, fun week. Yeah, yeah. When I got the call that because we were told that she should have about three more months, uh-huh. and the next day she passed away. Right. And so that part, it wasn't shocking that she did. It was shocking the timing. Yeah. Um. And so you were out of town, and I remember like I got you right before you like your flight took off, so you like prayed for me over the phone, and then I went to my house, and you know had to needed to tell the you know the elders, and so mm-hmm. they came over and. Uh, proceeded to just Bible beat me to death. Yeah. And that's just not what I needed in that moment. Right. Uh, like, I'll never forget being really, um, like, emotionally broken uh-huh. about the situation, of course. You yeah. Know, I mean. Because uh, you're a human. Well, yeah. Yeah, sort of. You know, she was 40, has yeah. three kids that were left behind, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And, um, and so I was pretty emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I get emotional talking about just about anything. So right. that's kind of what I do. And right. I'll never forget uh, one of them, like, use the, like, we don't grieve as those without hope verse mm-hmm. as almost a rebuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I was really upset. And he was, well, Tyler, mm-hmm. you need to keep in mind, you know, mm-hmm. very stern. And I, yeah. like, I mean, and, like, that moment that person lost the ability to ever, right. like, speak right. into my life on anything again. In general, those hard moments are are never the time to correct. Right. Including yeah. the way that, including the way a person mourns. Right. Cuz the text right. doesn't say we don't grieve. Right. And that that was like the subtext of what was being said was because we have hope, we therefore do not grieve. And that unfortunately is the way a lot of Christians think sure. about grief. I mean, the one verse that everyone knows because it's the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus, Jesus wept. wept. Yeah. Even Jesus cried, so you can too. Right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. start using that one. Jesus that's a wept. good one. Yeah, just in all my circumstances. Listen, Jesus Jesus, Jesus wept. wept. Yeah, that's good. Every time you yeah. choke up on this podcast about <laughs> God knows what. Hey, Jesus cried too, man. Back off. <laughs> but so, anyway, I, yeah, yeah. So I think I think just making sure that you are there and working hard to um, – be sensitive to what the person needs. Yeah. 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 I think I think there are always going to be um, hard times that people in our churches go through, and we can't, I don't think pastors should feel the pressure, the obligation to be there for all of them. But we're talking specifically about like the team of people who make up, whether it's your staff team or your pastor, whatever it is, whoever you, like your crew is, that those are not the times. <laughs> to miss. Like we need to be in those if we're going to love well. The second thing 
is we need to appreciate and acknowledge sacrifice. Mm. And I, I think both those words are really important, that yep. we both appreciate and acknowledge. Mm-hmm. I would say I am deeply appreciative. Naturally, I tend to be deeply appreciative internally for the sacrifice of whether, I mean, we have people that have literally like left jobs, sold homes, moved across the country to be a part of this thing. And I am deeply appreciative of that. Um, I don't think that acknowledgement comes naturally to me. Mm. It's much more difficult. And I think we've even talked about even at CrossFit or not CrossFit, uh, Starbucks. Wasn't that, uh, wasn't that something that you got feedback about that, 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 that part wasn't natural for you? The acknowledgement yeah, part or yeah, something? Yeah. I mean, I think that like, um, I always found it challenging, like, you know, when you're someone's boss, oh, like, yeah. I, I like to me, it was always like, well, you get appreciated every other week on Friday. <laughs> it's called a paycheck. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that like when, when people really did things that were like significantly above and beyond, um, but, uh, that's just not as common. Right. Uh, but the it difference was always, for us is we don't, I mean, a, a big difference is like, we don't pay anybody. Right. We don't pay anybody. And at least in that context, I worked for a company that like celebrated their on the spot recognition cards and the green apron behaviors and yeah. mug awards. And yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my so bag buttons. was so filled with buttons and cards and, you know, and <laughs> I just, I did, I struggled yeah. to like, you know, like hand them out when you came to work on time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think though, I, I think it is important though to do it like an assessment on both these things. So sure. as I assess these two words, yeah. the place where where we've had to really work toward intentionality is on the acknowledgement piece. Yeah. I think a place that some pastors might need to start is on the appreciation piece. And so can you, I think, um, even as I'm sitting here thinking about it, and yeah. I know we talked about it, can you like give a fine or like a clear definition of the difference between the two? Yeah, I would say, I, I guess I would, I would view one as internal and the mm-hmm. other as external. Okay. The appreciation is a, is, uh, is an, I'm using it in the context of it's an internal feeling of gratitude okay, or that I care sure, that people have said, that I even, that I'm aware, sure. that I know. The acknowledgement is acknowledging to them the that I appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. So the appreciation is the internal thing and the acknowledgement is the external. Okay. I think on the internal end, I wonder sometimes sure. if some pastors care sure. about the, the lengths that people do go to. And I think the thing that, uh, as pastors, we need to keep in mind is the sacrifices people have made to like be a part of the thing that God's called you to do. Because I think sometimes one of the reasons that appreciation lacks is it's sort of that like, well, hey, man, like you're doing it, you're storing up heavenly treasures, you're doing it for the Lord, and that's all true. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? I could like my I could XP, do that anywhere. Yeah, my yeah. XP I do on Zoom. You know, I understand they have great internet in Hawaii, yeah. and so I could be like on the beach taking my Zoom calls. Yeah. But I'm making the decision to be in Salt Lake. You know, in, in my defense, I did try to get you to move to Hawaii. You did. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But I was going to work for Starbucks. That's yeah. the whole thing. But, uh, but I, I just think that um, I think that it's important to like. So on one end, not feel like people are worshiping you, but then on the other end, also recognize that they do have the ability to faithfully follow and honor the Lord at a lot of other churches and a lot of other cities. And the fact that they chose yours does, I think, put you in a place where it requires you know, to start off with yeah. that appreciation yep. and then take it to acknowledgement. And I would sure. say if you are a pastor that's on the end of where you're maybe even have this 
kind of internal prick of I'm, I'm not sure I do appreciate. I think, mm-hmm. I think practically where it might be good to start, one thing would just be praying and asking that God would help you too, obviously. Yeah. But then secondly, I think a lot of, a lot of, there is a type of pastor that really is most comfortable and feels in their most natural environment when they're like holed up in their study sure. alone. And I would say, get out of that. Like if you're in a mobile environment, mm-hmm. rather than just spend four hours, you know, on your face, getting ready to preach on Sunday, yeah. spend some time on your face. That's good. But then maybe go and watch what people put in to True. setting up and tearing down, especially if you live somewhere where they're doing that in the snow or the rain or yep. it's a lot of work and it's hard. And people don't, they, there's a lot of churches they can go to and they don't have to do any of that. They True. can literally just show up, maybe open a door for somebody, shake a hand and then enjoy worship. Sure. And especially in environments like ours, it takes a ton of work to even make the thing happen on Sunday morning. Totally. Speaking of which, did you notice that it has not really rained in Utah yeah, in 2020? but it's going to this Sunday. And we're back to the school finally. And we're, we're at like a 75% chance of rain high in our of desert fi- climate. High of 55 on Sunday. It's going to be 37 <laughs> in the morning when we set up. Cool. In the anyway, rain. anyway, yeah. yeah. We've had nothing but heat and smoke <laughs> So like appreciate yeah. is important. I'll be there at yeah, call time yep. to help set up. But I think that's a big thing. It's just understanding it. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about the acknowledgement end. like Because I think that's one thing that you are um, super intentional about. And I think that's one thing I've always admired about you. There are, like, I feel like some of some of the gifts that God's given me that I've invested in the most are things that come pretty intuitively to me. Okay. Um, there are some of the gifts I've watched you invest in are things that are not necessarily intuitive to you like mm. leadership as a whole early in your, in your early in your life was sure. not like this intuitive gift no. that you felt like you had and no. so as a result you have put in more effort and work than anyone I've ever met to 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 work and to grow in that sure. area and as a result are the best leader I know I um, and so I mean for my 11th birthday yeah I asked for and received a yeah. membership to the Maximum Impact Club, which was John, John Maxwell's Maxwell. leadership cassette, tapes. cassette tape thing. And you'd get sent a cassette tape and then all these little like fill in the blanks and you'd put them in a binder. This is That's why I tell my kids to be nice to the nerds. <laughs> because the, we literally, we were on a hike the other day and uh, we have, uh, some people probably can't believe the fact that I would tell my kids to be nice to the nerds. Um, yeah. And that, I don't know if that's the greatest parenting in hindsight, yeah. but we had that we were joking about how like, hey, it's, it's the kids that are like excluded and left out. Those are the kids that end up running the world. You're going to work for them someday. So you should start being real nice to those kids. <laughs> uh, and it's the cool kids that usually end up shipwrecking their life. Um, but, uh, but this is an area of what on the acknowledgement end that you're always like nine times out of 10, if we do some sort of acknowledgement thing mm. with someone, it's because you've brought it up to me sure. and said, hey, we should do this. Or what do you think about that? Yeah. And so just talk about some of the ways that we have sought to do that through gift giving or blessing yeah. or any of that stuff. Yeah. And I think it's something that we're always trying to grow in for sure. But I think just trying to pay attention to things like birthdays, trying to pay, I, I think what's challenging is, you know, when you acknowledge something for someone, you know, one of the things I took away from my time at Starbucks that I've learned in different leadership trainings that I've received, 
at uh, all, like everyone always tells you, you have to work hard to acknowledge people in the way that's meaningful to them. Yeah. So if you call someone, I'll never forget, quick story, I had an opportunity to do um, the Disney Institute, which is their leadership training, and they talked about their example for this, is they had this guy that they realized had never been late for 20 years. He wow. didn't have a single minute late, and you know, and they have all sorts of systems and this yeah. and that to know, and like, and that was not shared by anyone else like at Disney World. And so they decided on his like, and it was like coming up on like his 20th year of that. And on that day, they decided to have a huge party, like Disney style. There was a yeah. stage and balloons and all of that. And they called him up front and like, you know, made a huge deal out of it. And guess what? He was late. The he next was day. late. Yeah. Oh, the next day. The oh, next, I thought he was going to be late no, to his party. No, he was late the next day. You're and what they me. And, and so then they talked to him and, and he was so like, he wasn't doing it for acknowledgement. He, like he just, that's who he was and, and how he behaved. And the, the leadership had totally missed that that was something he never wanted to experience again. And so he made sure that his record was broken in that way. And so wow. that was sort of, that's sort of the story that they tell leaders. And I think that that's and the, something the that, lesson being, you have to acknowledge people in a way right. that is he a, was like really a blessing happy. to them. Yeah. He yeah. was really happy and felt appreciated and acknowledged and didn't want a party. And instead of like assessing what, like what he might need, they did it in like the Disney, you know, there's like, you know, and, and I think even your church might have, um, your own way of, of celebrating that really alienates some people. And the reason that they may or may not, um, perform or excel or whatever is they're kind of worried that you're going to stand them up in the middle of church and yeah. make everyone applaud them because yeah. that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, just different things like that. And so I think, I think really thinking through, do you ever, let me to interrupt yeah. you. Do you yeah. ever think that, um, I was just thinking through your idea of like having like publicly acknowledging people yeah. can be something that is like very yeah. uncomfortable for them. Do you ever, do you ever feel like, uh, I mean, I think that's awkward for anyone. Only a sociopath, sure, like is like <laughs> yeah. thrilled about that. Yeah, is is there ever a time in your mind where it is worth, whether it's the uncomfortability for the person or the embarrassment for the person, to acknowledge them, or are there certain people that you're you just need to know, like they're they're they don't like this. Yeah, I mean, you know I don't I mean? know. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to think about that a little bit. I do think it's fine though to like to like have people like have things that like are just edges that are never going to be sanded off. Mm -hmm. So maybe to be a totally emotionally whole, like next level person, that should be something that you're at least willing to have happen. Mm -hmm. And like some people just aren't mm -hmm. ever going to arrive there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that in our appreciation or in our acknowledgement is the time to like sh teach someone a lesson. Sure. You know, I, I think just think about like, I know you don't necessarily always love like yeah. big showy public acknowledgement, sure. but I think about like, and maybe I'm, I think I'm recalling this correctly, but yeah. we did a zoom call yeah. with a bunch of people in our church during COVID. Sure. And I didn't tell you that right. the main purpose of the zoom call was that we were all going to basically speak words of encouragement and affirmation over you. Sure. I know that on the one hand, and for me, it was a little bit of like a roll, roll of the dice. I'm sure. Like, this is either going to really bless his socks off yeah. or I'm going to have to have a conversation with him on the back end about it. Yeah. But that was a time where um, I think it was a really affirming and encouraging time. Yeah. And I also think that it's different. I mean, so one, it's on Zoom. So even though there were yeah. quite a few people on it, yeah. it's still... Only so many. Yeah, and it's I, not hundreds I, I, of people. Well, and even when there is, you know, then Zoom goes to pages, and yeah. so you can't even see them all at once. Yeah. 
Um, and I think I think that was helpful about it. Or even like, yeah, that's true. like I think of times where you've even said something in a service, uh-huh. but it's different to like say something while I'm in the back than calling me up front yeah. and, you know, yeah. and do. And so it's not that it's not like n- made public the acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. It's even the like the way and the technique that it's done. Yeah. I don't think it always has to like have like a parade and a fanfare. It can mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, I know we uh, for a while um, at Ridgeline did like a person of the week yeah. or something like On that. On social media. Uh, yeah. And again, yeah. I think that's a great way to honor someone in a way that's like, you know, like again, to your point, a- anyone should have the response internally should be one of humility yeah. and like a little, you know, sort of like the Disney character blushing yep. kind of a thing. Yep. And like that's what you'd hope yep. uh, people would feel in response. Um, but anyway, I think um, you had mentioned like, so what are some of the things that we've done? Um, I mean, I think it's just paying attention to what are the things like, in general, you've always said that I'm a really hard person to buy a gift for because yes. I'm single. Yeah. Um, God's blessed me with a good job. Yeah. And so largely, like, if it's something that I've decided I need slash want, which yeah. I think that that's a pretty fine line, yeah. um, I just go get it because right. I can. Right. Um, and I don't have to think about, well, and the kids need school shoes because there ain't no kids. So. Right. Um, and so I think as a result, that's caused me to like receive a number of gifts that I'm like, oh, like, so for example, um, I have like, like kind of this wall in my apartment with different things on it that's totally full mm-hmm. and I continue to get, and it's fine, mm-hmm. but I feel like, I feel like that's an example of like, oh, if I get more of something to fill my wall, yeah. then I... I think that that's that's a thoughtful gift because you at least know I like that. Yeah. But it's so full, I'm right. afraid it's all going to fall. Or the off. Christmas where I I I got you a fanny pack. Right. That wasn't even thoughtful. It, I mean, you know, that is not true. It is. It was thoughtful. It was not appreciated. That no. is the problem. Be, it, well, it wasn't thoughtful because you didn't actually listen to what I said. I thought you My said you wanted a fanny pack to carry about your stuff the embarrassment at Disney World. That the first time I went to Disney World, my mom forced me to wear a fanny pack because yeah, really we had to carry all our that. stuff. Yeah. And then you got me one. Yeah. And I thought it was a joke, and then it wasn't, and you were upset, the whole thing. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was so tiny. I just I got, to, it was I just got just to, to trigger what was, in oh. fact, a deep trauma from your childhood. Yeah, yeah. It was so small. It looked heard. ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, but... Uh, so I think that I think uh, so. Here's a great example of something that uh, we did to bless someone. So mm-hmm. um, I knew that there was a couple from our church heading up to like do a little bit of a retreat, and yep. they were going to a spa. And so in conversation, I was like, "Well, are you gonna are you gonna like get any spa treatments?" Yeah. And their response was, "You know, like after paying for the room and all that, we would really love that, but we just like we're we're not sure it's like the best plan." And I don't think they had decided. It wasn't that they couldn't afford it. I mm-hmm. think they were just making a wise sure. financial decision for them. And so I don't know what it was, or I think you know, in some ways, it might just be like um, the way that I'm wired. Uh-huh. But immediately, my antenna went off that like, yep. oh. Like that's something that, and I think trying to come up with something that people would love to do but are hesitant to do for themselves is yeah. probably some of the most meaningful that's things a good way to do that, yeah. you can do. Or for example, we had a girl who, uh, I mean, you know, she attends our church and uh, has been has posted about finishing her like degree like 
six times a week and it's, yeah. and she's had a countdown and this and that. Yeah. And so she finally posted she was done. And I know that she loves, like, she's really, even though she's not from Utah, she's mm -hmm. gotten into the Utah drink thing. And so the very first thing I did was I sent her a gift card to be able to get some drinks. Yeah. Um, or some things like that that I just know, like, I don't know, things like that that I yeah. think are really meaningful. And, I, you know, and the text message I got in response, I felt like that had the achieved uh, result. It was meaningful. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because it acknowledged this, like, huge achievement in her, in her life. And in a way that like, uh, you know, I helped her with some budgeting. And so I knew that she wished her drink budget could be larger than it was. Yeah. And so I think it's taking those things that, yeah. you know, and like, I don't know where I put them in my brain, but store them away for a rainy day. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you know, take action on it. Yeah. So don't just give people your leftover church merch. Oh, gosh. Don't give them that at all. <laughs> The free T-shirt you gave out <laughs> to everybody, but you had an extra, so you're like, "Here's yeah. two." Yeah, <laughs> don't no. do that. Yeah. Uh -uh. All right. So especially we wanna... if it's Gilden. Don't get me started. Oh, Gilden. We'll yeah. Uh, be there for the hard stuff. Appreciate and acknowledge sacrifice. And then the third thing we want to talk about is the importance of prioritizing mm. friendship. Yeah. We have a document uh, that I wrote called the Cultural Canon. Yeah. Which is uh, a series. I mean, some people might call it core values. For other short, snippy, like we don't have them. I think we have it on our website, but it's not yeah. like a document. Ridgeline.church, and uh, you just go to About Our Culture oh, yeah. yep. if you're interested. Yep. yep, and they're like these very short phrases or mantras that define the things that we care about, basically, yep. or we prioritize. And one of those is that we prioritize friendship, Yep. Uh, which is a lot different practically than just we serve Jesus together or we just see we just see each other at church. Like we've really worked to develop actual friendships with the people that we serve with. And uh, and I think one reason, you all right? You just dying a little bit? <coughs> Sorry. That's good. This is what's great about podcasting. It's just a real dumpster fire. <coughs> cool. <laughs> uh, did you swallow a whole? It's not COVID. Whole, it's not COVID. <laughs> you always got to clarify now. Um, and so the reason that, that we, I think an end that we're always trying to accomplish when it comes to prioritizing friendship is we're always trying to fill the relational well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a phrase that we were talking about the other day. Um, and, and I think that that can get, when that runs dry, yeah. when there hasn't been, I think when sacrifice really takes a toll on people and when people get weary in their service and all, it, it tends to be when that relational well mm -hmm. is running really dry, when it's yep. all output, all sacrifice, yep. there's no, it's all, um, there's no deposit being made. Uh, right. relationally, that that's a, a real significant problem when that dries up for people. Mm -hmm. And so we are always looking for ways to just continue to, to fill that well. And, and one way that for us that we do that that has worked really well for our team is we find various ways to share meals together. Yeah. Whether that's holidays. Sure. Like I think one thing that we, a tradition we started last year that we're continuing this year that I think is one of the best things that we do that I like the most yeah. is that for our crew who moved here yep. uh, and doesn't have family um, and serves at a very high capacity, we celebrate Thanksgiving together. Yep. 
The challenge is uh, the real estate market in Salt Lake City is insane mm. and uh, it's very expensive. So no one has like a big, huge Thanksgiving house. Yeah. And so we had the idea last year of just renting an Airbnb house that was mm -hmm. big enough that we could all do that. So we yeah. did that last year. Um, rented a big house here in the Valley. Uh, this year, we're going to rent a house uh, again and be able to do that. Yep. But that was an incredible... Like, we did Thanksgiving, all of us, the year before in my townhome. Mm -hmm. We had, like, all the all the folding tables connected. It was so bad. I, I had, mean, it was fine, but it was just so hot, so tight. I, and Like, where I was seated, if I needed to get up at any point during the meal or yeah. really during the afternoon everyone else would have yeah. to get up and move because yeah. we'd have to like readjust things. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was just a way better yeah. experience. And people loved it. We actually, last year, we actually got a house big enough where everyone could spend the night. Yeah. We're not doing that component this year, but we're still going to spend the day together yeah. and, and and recognize that meal. Yeah. And uh, But we also do uh, other stuff as well. We, yeah. we did 4th of July this year. And oh, uh, you guys, you and Matt Bourne did a big fireworks show that almost killed us all you know what you should do just decide on your own with no experience or training to light off explosives in vicinity of your friends and their children yeah that, yeah it seems like a good plan and they, they were for sure um explosives we're not talking like the little cracking things that you i throw mean we had those feet. too but yeah the kids those played peripheral. with those no yeah. these, these were full-blown explosives i mean the finale was like would rival lots of things. It would. You guys yeah. had you had a music show all planned <laughs> it was out. It was a whole thing. Yeah, but but even still, I think that type of thing. And I think the other thing that's important is like constantly assessing that. We just had a conversation the other day, and yeah. I think like always looking at that because any of those types of things that you do, any of those routines that you put into place, can get stale. And so mm -hmm. always thinking about how can we do this better? How can we grow in this? How can we create? You know. How can we, you know, even in our conversation, it was thinking through the makeup of our group and the mm -hmm. types of people that are in it and how can we do things in a way that's meaningful to that, you know, if you've got some like Uber planners in your group, then being the like last minute, like, hey, does everyone want to have dinner tonight at four o'clock uh -huh. is not like the most helpful for a yeah. lot of people. That's my preference. Um, <laughs> but it's yes. nobody else's preference, no including one. my uh, wife. It's yeah. just mine. <laughs> yep. Yep. I had uh, I had this thought. I want to execute it in the moment. Right. Let's all do something. That is a ton of work for everyone except me. <laughs> this would be awesome right now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think just always assessing that kind of thing, having conversations about it, asking people what they mm -hmm. prefer. Um, it's important because I think uh, on the other end, and, and we've had some conversations even with some people over the years where people feel like, well, in order for that kind of relational deposit type thing to count, mm -hmm. it needs to be like organic spontaneous. or spontaneous yeah. or whatever. And I, uh, I, you know, I know we've talked about this for years, but it's always so funny to me how people, like how Christians use that term organic to right. really mean unplanned. Yeah. Because if you think about the work a farmer does to be certified organic, so much more work, thousands of yeah. dollars to be certified at the like growing things, all of those kind of things. I think it just, it's so difficult. And so yet we take it and we turn it into this like hippy dippy sort of like, you know, we just didn't even put any thought into it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm sure those farmers really appreciate that. Yeah. But I think so doing it organically with a very intentional plan yep. and, and thinking through how can we make it meaningful because it is an investment of time and energy and money. And how do we do it in a way that matters to people? Totally. I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do that all the way from small, like one-on-one -on -one stuff yep. to, you know, we, we want to start doing quarterly dinners together and oh, yeah. 
laying out what holidays we're going to spend with each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I was just thinking just to kind of bring this to a close as we were sitting here talking, I, I was thinking about, I don't, I don't think about like in real time how much work this is, but as I'm sitting here, like listening to you talk and thinking about all of this, it, it struck me that someone might be listening, thinking that sounds like an unbelievable amount of work and a yeah. huge investment of time and money. Yep. And I would say it 100% is. Yeah. And so the question that people have to really wrestle with is, do you want to have a long-term team? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago in a message, I, in my intro, talked about the um, prevalence of uh, a conflict of interest in our hearts that we have on, oftentimes two competing desires simultaneously. So we like want to be healthy and fit, but we don't want to work out and do the things necessary to, to accomplish that. Sure. And that's really common. I think that in this moment, someone might be feeling a conflict of desires totally. where it's like, I really want to have a long-term team. That sounds awesome to have people around me who actually know me and I actually know, and I get to run yeah. the race with, but I don't want to put in all that work. Sure. And so I think anytime there is a conflict of desires like that in our heart, you have to choose which one you want most. Yeah. And so if you want to have a team of people, a family of people who is around you for the long haul, it's going to take this kind of work. Sure. Our, our thing is not mad. Like it hasn't happened. We no. built it. Yep. And it's, it is an unbelievable <laughs> amount of work. Yeah. And there are other things that we don't do that some other churches and ministries might do because we're busy doing this. Yep. And so I think you have to decide what you want. Absolutely. And, and, and what kind of environment and culture you want to create. Anything you'd add in closing to that? Yeah. I think a couple of things. One, and it's so important that at some level you have something like that because you like as the pastor you have to be known too and i think that people might not only hear that and think you know it's a lot of work but they might hear it and think you know i don't mind turning over my team every so often yeah. and that kind of thing. I even was thinking about as you were talking, like the irritation I find. So uh, like I have a lot of like, I, I, I wear my emotions like on the outside yeah. and on the inside, yeah. but largely on the outside. But I also have some like smaller ones that like are personal to me. And so one thing that um, I at least think is a little bit on the down low or used to be before it got broadcast everywhere is um, if I think what you're saying isn't real, um, if I'm not like tracking with what, yeah. if I'm not picking if up, if you think it's stupid, down, yeah, that's if what I'm trying stupid, to. Yeah. I will probably squint. Yeah. Um, and our entire group knows exactly what a squint yeah. means, and they'll even call it out. And the problem is, I don't. It's not. I don't know that it's involuntary. It's also not voluntary. It's yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and I, but it's it's. I'm trying to like process through. Like, is this the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. heard? Yeah. And. I get but called your, out your on it. your point is, though, it's uncomfortable to be yeah. known to and, that degree. And it's uncomfortable to get called out on it. And I need to be yeah. because it's helpful to like remember that I can't in my own mind. Because what that forces me to do is then verbally process, well, here's what I'm thinking about what you're saying. And in another setting, I might be able to just like walk away and people just thought I was confused based on the look on my yeah. face. And I guess my point being, it's good to have people know that you're like – that your squint means something. Yeah. And it's good to have people that know that, you know, and I, so, so I think it's not just about, 
are you willing to do the work? But I would argue you need to be willing to do the yep, work because if you're turning over your entire team once every few years, no one knows you, yep. you don't know anyone. And truthfully, the only lever you have to pull on is like, hey man, like we're doing this for Jesus, which listen, is a good lever, Sure, but people can pull that lever at a lot of churches yep. that are all around you. Yeah, that's good. So next week, uh, we're going to get into one of the areas in this that is a lot of work and that a lot of us want to avoid. And so we're going to talk about the importance of wading into the mess with people. So that'll be a light one (laughs) and fun. Uh, But until then, if you want to stay connected to us or be able to reach us in any way, uh, the best place for that is to follow us on Instagram. So you can find me at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And at Tyler Dravitz, that's at T-Y-L-E-R-D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk about the importance of wading into the mess. Mm-hmm.